Hi, I'm Ange Murphy, host of the Realising Your Potential podcast series and Chief People and Communications Officer at Accolade Wines. I'd like to welcome you to Seller Picks, our new bite-sized podcast series. For Seller Picks, we choose some of the real stories our extraordinary guests have shared over the last three series. So think of these episodes like a short, high-intensity training session, just under 10 minutes, and your development for the day is done. Each episode will focus on one key trait of effective leadership, such as mindset, trust, communication, resilience and feedback, to name but a few. In this episode, we explore how to foster resilience in yourself and others. Robertson Cooper, a wellbeing specialist, describes resilience as the capacity to maintain wellbeing and performance under pressure, including being able to bounce back from setbacks effectively. The leading researchers agree that our resilience is determined by a number of things, our personal experiences, characteristics and learned skills. They also agree that resilience is a quality that can be developed. So if there's one thing that I hope you take away from this episode, it is that you can increase your resilience. So my first pick comes from my conversation with Michelle Focum, a professional athlete who shares the one thing she believes makes the biggest difference to her ability to perform come race day. There is so much to do to get your head right. It starts from the people around you, the things that you do on a daily. But for me, what I found to be the biggest thing is self-talk. Leading up to the NCAA championships, the whole week, I spoke to myself very positively. I told myself, you are going to do great. You are going to jump 14 meters. You are technically sound. Your coach is great. Just continuously feeding all these positive thoughts into my mind. And I think that's what really got me there. I think we underestimate the things that we say to ourselves. You are feeding and breeding positivity or negativity to yourself, depending on what you say. So for me, I know self-talk is number one. That's really the way that I get my mind into things. Because whenever you're getting to this elite level, it's 80% mental. Mm. And so I have to get my mental right and self-talk is my way. The positive self-talk Michelle describes is consistent with what many of our podcast guests have spoken to. It's also one of the 10 steps Dr. Charney prescribes in his book, Resilience, the Science of Mastering Life's Greatest Challenges. However, this is not about blind optimism. Having a positive attitude does not mean blindly ignoring life's problems or viewing the world through rose-tinted glasses. Research has shown that our emotions and feelings are largely determined by our thoughts. Brain areas associated with resilience are activated when positive memories are savoured. When we think negative thoughts, we are more likely to feel anxious, but if we think positive thoughts, we would feel happy, energised and peaceful. I personally use visualisation to manage my negative self-talk. For example, I can get extremely nervous before presenting in public. I start to think about What happens if I forget my words? Will people be interested in what I have to talk about? Will they laugh at my jokes? What I find useful is I visualize I'm wearing a winter coat and I put all of that negative self-talk into the pocket of the coat. I then visualize taking off the coat and leaving it on a chair in a separate room. So when I walk onto the stage to present, none of that negative self-talk is with me. Sometimes if I'm really nervous, it doesn't work immediately and I have to take that coat off two or three times. 
Visualization is a practice and it can be extremely helpful in getting through those more nervous or tricky moments. Now on to Dustin Butler, who says it was the challenges the South African rowing team faced leading up to the London Olympics that won them gold in 2012. There's no crew sitting on the start line of the Olympic Games that, that hasn't dealt with hardships. Every one of those crew members, I saw all of them at some stage in tears, whether it be injury or life pressures. It is incredibly demanding. I also think the setbacks are probably what galvanised the, the crew. I'm not sure we would have succeeded at the end of it all if we hadn't learnt a lot of hard lessons in the years preceding the Olympics, which set us up for the success. We, we made a lot of mistakes and, and learned from those mistakes, but those mistakes were really important in getting things right going into the Olympic Games. And from one rowing coach to another, a favourite quote of the podcast series comes from Jason Baker, Paralympic coach, and his perspective on adversity. I guess one of the biggest things that I've learned is that adversity is wildly undervalued in life and in sport. The best years we've ever raced were the years where our lead-ins were the most difficult. He was the most focused, he most determined the years that we were coming in and it was a bit wobbly and we really had something to rally against. There's really no such thing as the dream run. There's always going to be injury and illness and stuff's going to go wrong, but it's how you deal with those things that matters. According to Zach Cutler, experiencing failure forces us to frame our goals in a new way, develop tougher skin, and it also keeps our ego in check. As well as reframing failure, researchers suggest deliberately engaging activities that are challenging because it activates new pathways in your brain. For me, the excitement of life is about challenging yourself and growing. It's easy not to fail if you haven't really tried anything new. What is one thing this week that you could do to challenge yourself knowing you might fail? It will also be helpful to reflect on it afterwards. What did you learn and what could you do better next time? Another step is to find a resilient role model. And my next guest, Sarah Suzak, is that person for me. Over to Sarah to tell us about another tool that helps her cope with the stresses of life. The best thing that I've ever done has been the study of meditation. I made it a twice daily discipline in my life. It's really taught me how to cope with the stresses, how to get that work-life balance and just how to get that clarity that you need to be a happy and calm professional or mum or partner I really can't recommend it enough to anyone who wants to try it I think you have to experience the benefits rather than be told about them Many of the guests said meditation has become a critical part of their daily practice because it helps them soak up the bumps and makes them a better human being I wholeheartedly agree with Sarah that you have to experience the benefits, but as we can't embark on meditation course together, I thought I'd share with you what the science has to say. One of the studies examined the brains of volunteers before and after an eight-week program of mindfulness. Interestingly, they found that the brain region responsible for producing serotonin, critical in regulating attention, mood and learning, actually increased in size. Meditation can look very different for people. It could be a mindful coloring book or a guided meditation app. Or for me, it's an early morning run when the world hasn't quite woken up. I recommend that you find the meditation that works for you. Throughout the series, our guests shared a variety of meditation techniques and sources of inspiration, but the most popular by far was the Waking Up app by Sam Harris. We've put a link in the show notes so you can try the free introductory course for yourself. 
So far, we've touched on the importance of positive self-talk, reframing failure and stepping out of your comfort zones to build new pathways in the brain. As Theodore Roosevelt said, nothing worth doing is easy. So over to Grace Hamilton, captain of the Australian Wallaroos, who demonstrated why it pays to persist. I thought I had a good tournament, but obviously not good enough. And I wasn't selected out of 63 people, which is, is a lot of women to get selected um, and not be a part of. And they were going on a tour to New Zealand. And I was sad at the time. They went off to camp and I was like, they're training. And I just remember being in the middle of Queen's Park running by myself and just doing conditioning sessions because I was like, I want to be there and they're training, so I'm just going to train just as hard. Anyway, we trained against the team that they were going to take to New Zealand. It was kind of unbelievable at the time. I remember being my family, being like, um, I think I'm going to New Zealand tomorrow. They got on a plane and met me in Auckland the next day and I debuted two days later for Australia. I'm really grateful for that because it just pushed me into knowing what I had to do to be there. I think Grace's story is a brilliant example of grit, a term coined by Angela Duckworth. As part of her landmark research, Duckworth found that grit is even more important than intelligence or talent. Grit is living life like it's a marathon, not a sprint. You could argue Grace had a clear goal and did the work required with no guarantee of ever getting a chance to make the team again. What long-term goal are you working towards? And more importantly, what are you doing each day to work towards that? I'm aware that much of what we've covered today might give the impression that resilience is about being single-minded and something you do alone. But in order to truly thrive, we need other people. In this final clip, we hear from Paralympic rower Eric Horry, who shares the one thing he believes got him through a life-changing car accident. No one's the same on how they cope with a tragedy like that. I had to go through it in my way, and that might have taken longer than other people, but I got through it at the end. And I think the support of my partner and family around was one of the biggest parts that actually helped me through it. Knowing Eric's story as I do, I'm blown away by how he's dealt with everything and how much he's gone on to achieve. Yes, it has required a huge amount of personal resilience, but as he says, he wouldn't be where he is today if it wasn't for the support of the people in his life. As Dr. Charney puts it, resilient people are more capable of dealing with life's ups and downs because they make a concerted effort to build and maintain close relationships, support others in times of need, and ask for help when they need it. No matter the status of your social network, you can take steps to strengthen it. For example, say hello to a neighbour, take time to have a coffee with a colleague, or reach out to a family member you've not spoken to for a while. In summary, those who build strong social networks reap many benefits. As director of the longest study on happiness, psychiatrist Robert Waldinger found people who are more socially connected to family, to friends, to the community, are happier, physically healthier, and live longer than people who are less connected. So, resilience can be developed through deliberate actions such as training your brain through meditation and stepping out of your comfort zones, developing grit by working hard and persevering in the face of obstacles, and finally, it's the quality, not quantity, of our relationships that can help us get through the toughest times.
My passion for real stories is based on my belief that there is so much we can learn from the people around us. As Vernon Howard, the philosopher says, always walk through life as if you have something new to learn and you will. I hope that in these few minutes, you've had a chance to pause and reflect on your own leadership style and it sparked your curiosity to find out more. Remember, if you enjoyed hearing from our guests, you can find links to their full episodes in the show notes. There's some great conversations there, so make sure you check those out. And join me next time where we'll explore the importance of physical exercise and the positive impact that has on our mental performance. These podcasts would not be possible without a super production team. Big thanks to the team at Martino Consulting. 